And as I mentioned last week, that in a crowd this size and this diverse, uh, the reality is that most of us come from very different backgrounds, different denominations. Uh, some of us grew up as believers, some of us different. Even if, even if we did, again, we come from different churches, different experiences, and we all have different perspectives on the Holy Spirit and His ministry and His involvement in our lives. Uh, we mentioned last week as well that you and I as believers have been given the amazing privilege of learning how to host the presence of God in our lives, how to, how to allow the Holy Spirit to live in us and to, to flow through us. Uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to unpack that a little bit more, see what that looks like. Uh, but this morning, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about receiving the Holy Spirit. And I want to almost do a very elementary teaching um, because I want to make a distinction. I want us to understand the differences between three baptisms that the Scriptures talk about and three baptisms that the Lord intends every single one of us here uh, who know Christ to experience. And if you don't know Christ, you can know Him this morning and begin to move through that process of all that God has for you. And so there's three points this morning, very simply, and they are, they are this. Number one, the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. Would you say that with me? The Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. When you open your heart to receive Jesus Christ, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, it's His ministry to bring you to Jesus. It's His ministry to bring you into Jesus. We become in Christ, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the second point is that the disciple baptizes us in water. We know the scripture well from Matthew 28. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so when you come to Jesus Christ, the next step you take is you are baptized by a disciple, by a fellow believer in water. And there's a purpose for that as well. Uh, and, and the important thing too is we understand it doesn't have to be a pastor that baptizes you. Okay, I, don't have, you know, I didn't take three years of training to know how to hold you underwater and not drown you. So if you're a believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you lead someone to Christ, you can baptize them in water. You can be baptized by some other believer in water. In fact, it's not uncommon for us here to have people who were part of your salvation journey to be in the tank with you and baptize you. A pastor certainly can do it, but it's not limited to a pastor. A parent can baptize a child and so on. And so the disciple baptizes in water. And number three, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. So here's the distinction. At salvation, we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay, of, meaning that the Holy Spirit is the one who performs the action. Does that make sense? Okay, that's part of His ministry, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He brings us into the family of God by His work in our life at salvation. But then Jesus says, after you're baptized in water, the second baptism, He says there is a third baptism which He performs, and He baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit baptizes into Christ and the family of God when you repent of your sin. And then Jesus also turns around and he promises to baptize us in or with the Holy Spirit. And that's really where there's a lot of misunderstanding I find in the body of Christ today. There are many people who think that the two baptisms are the same. That they received the baptism with the Holy Spirit when they were saved. But that's not what Scripture teaches. What Scripture teaches is you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit into the family of God, but there is still a third baptism the Lord has for us. Matthew 3.11. Now, if you're not used to taking down Scripture, you may want to listen to the podcast or whatever, uh, but there's going to be a lot of Scripture this morning. I hope you don't mind. It is a church. We tend to refer to the Word of God once in a while. Um, or if it's on your phone, if you can't keep up fast enough, 
Uh, you can listen again, but there's a number of scriptures we're going to walk through this morning. Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he, speaking of Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you, what? With the Holy Spirit and fire. The word with is the Greek preposition en, E-N, which is translated in English either as in or with. He will baptize you in or baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And here's the distinction. It is Jesus who performs this act. You see the difference? The Holy Spirit performs the act of baptizing us into Christ. Jesus performs the act of baptizing us in or with the Holy Spirit. So listen very carefully. Theologically, these two baptisms cannot be the same because they're two different people. They're two different subjects. The first is the Holy Spirit baptizing you in, baptism of. The second is clearly Jesus who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. There's no way theologically or grammatically that these are the same people or that they are the same experience. Now, in the Greek language, the word baptize is baptizo, and it's used to describe many different things. But one thing it was used to describe was if a ship was sinking or being immersed underwater. As the ship was sinking underwater, all the compartments become filled with the water until it's totally immersed underwater. Another way the word baptism was used was to describe the process of dyeing a garment. And so if you had a garment you wanted to change the color, you would immerse it into the dye until every fabric of that cloth was, was changed in its color. And I believe from the very outset what God is saying is that my plan for every one of you who names the name of Jesus Christ, who's part of the family of God, my plan for you is that you be so filled with the Holy Spirit on the inside that he literally changes your appearance on the outside. And I can tell you from experience, when somebody is baptized with the Holy Spirit, there's a change. There's a change on their face. There's a change in their eyes. There is this transformation that's being made complete that the Lord wants us all to experience. And of course, we're called in Ephesians to continue to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but there still is that change, and it is for everyone. And as if to underscore the importance of that, or the, that the importance of what God has in mind, God included this experience called the baptism with the Holy Spirit in all four Gospels. Now, that's significant. Because all four Gospels don't have all the same stories. You won't find all the same things in all the different Gospels. There are only a certain number of things that are included in all four of those Gospels. For example, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what you will read in all of those accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll read the account of Jesus' birth. Then it will skip up to John the Baptist. And after John the Baptist's death, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they focus on the, the third year of Jesus' ministry. So all that Jesus did in this third ministry is recorded in those first three Gospels. Now the difference is in the Gospel of John, around A.D. 70, John, of course, at that time was the last surviving disciple. He's the one who wrote the book of the Revelation. John was the one who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write his Gospel. And in that Gospel, we have a different account. We have an account of the first two years 
of Jesus' ministry and his miracles and all the things that he did and, of course, his death, burial, and resurrection. But the, the focus is his first two years of ministry. That's why, for example, when you read the Gospel of John, you'll see a number of stories that are not included in the other three Gospels. For example, the Gospel of John opens with not the birth of Jesus. It opens with declaring that Jesus Christ is the Word of God. He is the Logos, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1. John chapter 2, you have recorded... Nowhere else in the scriptures, but in John chapter 2, Jesus' first miracle at the wedding of Cana turns the water into wine, right? John chapter 3. Anybody knows in John chapter 3 the story of Nicodemus, right? You must be born again. John chapter 4, the woman at the well. John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery. John chapter 11, Lazarus, raised from the dead. So you see, there's a difference in, in the stories that are told and the focus on different aspects of Jesus' ministry or different times in his ministry. The reason I mention that to you is because there are only four things that are mentioned in all four Gospels, which underlines the significance of these events. And those four things are the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and guess what else? The baptism with the Holy Spirit. So to me, that makes it very significant. Let's look at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. John the Baptist said this, I indeed baptize with water, but he, speaking of Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So that's what John says. Matthew's already, we've already seen Matthew say that. John, uh, Matthew, Mark says it as well. Then Luke 3.16. The same account. John is speaking again. John the Baptist. I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So you see the similarity between Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Okay, then we go to John, John chapter 1, slightly different account. John the Baptist is speaking again, and he says this, I did not know him, speaking of Jesus, but he, speaking of the Father, who sent me to baptize with water, said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is what? He who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now, when did John see the Spirit of God descend upon Jesus and remain on him? After he was baptized in water, right? He was baptized, he came up out of water, and then we see exactly, John says, I saw the Spirit descend on him like a dove, and it remained on him. Now, some of us grew up in traditions, and, and just no matter what denomination we were a part of, that when we read that scripture, in our mind's eye, we kind of see Jesus standing in the Jordan River with a dove on his shoulder, Right? Because we've seen that in artistic rendering of the baptism of Jesus. And so we think that the Holy Spirit kind of fluttered onto him and the Holy Spirit represented, or the dove rather, and the dove represented the Holy Spirit. That's not what Scripture is saying. The Scripture is saying that the Holy Spirit himself descended upon Jesus and remained upon him. The Scripture says elsewhere that the Holy Spirit was given to Jesus without measure. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, but the manner in which the Spirit came upon him, the gentle way, it was like a dove. Does that make sense? So Jesus didn't receive a dove at his, at his baptism. He received the Holy Spirit. Now my question is this. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to descend upon him and remain upon him, if Jesus needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, if Jesus said, I can do nothing except by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the will of God, do you think it's possible that maybe we need the Holy Spirit? Do you think it's possible that if we're going to do as Jesus said, the things that he did and even greater things, that we need the Holy Spirit to descend on us and to remain on us? 
that we need the Holy Spirit without measure. We need the Holy Spirit to overflowing. Now, these three baptisms that Scripture teaches can also be summarized in three simple words. Salvation, water, and spirit. Would you say those words? Salvation, water, and spirit. At salvation, the Bible says we are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we know it well. If any man be in Christ, he or she is a brand new creation. The old is done. The new has come. You are a brand new creation. That's what happens when you come to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit places you in Christ. And what that means is, positionally, we are perfect before God. We are saints. We are saints. You know one of the reasons we have so many hang-ups as believers today? We don't know who we are. We really don't understand what Jesus has done for us. We really don't understand how perfect we are in the Father's eyes. It doesn't mean that we never sin or never make mistakes. No, and in fact, as we grow, that ought to become decreasingly so. But our position in Christ does not change. We are in Christ in the Father's eyes. We are without sin. That's our position. That happens at salvation. Then we are baptized in water. We're having been made a new creation. We make a break with the past. That's what water baptism is all about. And the past power over us is broken and it's washed away. Please understand, water baptism is not just about getting wet. Okay, don't raise your hand, but if I was to ask you, I hope nobody would raise their hand if I said this, how many believe that communion is just about eating bread and having a drink before you go home? Right? It's just a Christian appetizer before you go to Swiss Chalet. That's all it is. We're just going through the motions. No. When we break the bread and drink the juice, what are we saying? Thank you, Lord, that your body was broken for us, and now through resurrection power, we are made whole. And so whatever brokenness there is in my life right now, I receive your wholeness. Whatever sin there may be in my life, I thank you that by your blood, the power of sin over my life was broken. And Lord, I confess my sin right now. You see, it's to remind us that what these emblems represent, the person and power of Jesus and his work of salvation, is right there at the table with us. It's that real. And the same with water baptism. We're not just getting wet. It's not just an outward symbol of some inward work. In the, water, in the tank at water baptism, I believe the Lord meets us there, and he says, I want you to experience the break from your past, the washing away. And we'll see later on, the scripture talks about being baptized for the remission or forgiveness of your sins. It's washed away. There's the work of the Holy Spirit by Christ that takes place in that tank. It's not just a thing that we hope or think we can actually experience something real. And again, we'll talk about more in just a minute. Once that has happened, water baptism, then we are ready to receive the Holy Spirit by whose power we live in and minister this new life in Christ. Now, did Jesus experience these three baptisms? He did. Now, some of you are saying, yeah, I hope so. I'm not quite sure how to work the first one. Okay, he did. We read in Matthew 3 that Jesus went down to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. John knew that Jesus was the Savior. What did John say when he saw Jesus coming? Behold, look, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. John knew that Jesus was sinless. He did not need a Savior. Why? Because Jesus was the Savior, okay? So he didn't need a Savior himself. And so John says, Jesus, I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me. And Jesus says this in verse 15. John, let it be this way for now to fulfill all that God requires. And then Jesus is baptized in water. And why is that? I believe very simply, 
Jesus was baptized in water to, to model for you and me what our new life in Christ is supposed to look like. As we, begets, as we get saved, as we're baptized in water, and then as we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you will notice that Jesus did not dare begin his ministry until the Holy Spirit came upon him and remained in him. And then in Acts chapter 1, Jesus' last words to his followers before he ascended to heaven was what? Pretty much the same thing. Don't you dare begin your ministry until you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Don't you dare step out in my name until the Holy Spirit comes upon you like he came upon me. Verse 4 and 5. While staying with them, he ordered them, the disciples, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for what? The promise. Okay, remember that word. Wait for the promise that of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Talk about what he said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, you know, so on. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized, what? With the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Now, you may be thinking, well, Pastor, didn't the disciples have the Holy Spirit? I mean, they believed in Jesus. You remember back at the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 20, Jesus has risen from the dead, so he has instituted the new covenant. He's fulfilled the old covenant, now he has instituted the new covenant. He meets with the disciples, and in verse 22, he breathes upon them, and he says what? Receive the Holy Spirit. Now you're thinking, there you go. See, they received the Holy Spirit. Yes, they did. They received the Holy Spirit just like you and I do when we receive Christ. Because you see, Jesus rose from the dead, and so now Jesus knew that their faith was in him. So now knowing that their faith is in him, salvation, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. They're the first ones that we see on record that really have experienced salvation. You see? But we know that they've not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, new covenant, salvation. Okay, guys, but now there's another baptism coming from you, which I can't give you right now. I have to ascend to my Father. But when I ascend, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, that promise that you know about from all the prophets of old. And then we see that promise fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. Okay, Acts chapter 2, you remember? I'm not going to go through the whole thing now, but they're in the upper room, just like Jesus said. He said, wait for me. They're in the upper room. And the Bible says that all of a sudden, from heaven, there came this sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the room where they were meeting. And tongues of fire appeared over all of them. And they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And with their joy and worship, they spilled into the streets. And they were still worshiping God and speaking in all these different languages. And those gathered around said, what in the world is going on? So Peter, being the shy one, of course, he stands up and he begins to preach. And a message to them, and he reminds his Jewish audience that this is what was promised by God through the prophet Joel. Then we come to chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Now I want you to notice Peter's response in verse 38. Because in this response, he articulates the three baptisms God intends for all of us. Peter said to them, Repent, one. Be baptized, water, every one of you in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And what? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice the three progressions. Number one. Repent of your sins. What is that? Salvation. Okay? 
Be baptized in water, right? Number two. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Be baptized in water. And you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, please understand, Peter is not talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You see, some of us are raised in a tradition where it's kind of like, well, when you receive the Holy Spirit or the baptism with the Holy Spirit, you'll just manifest the gifts of the Spirit. That's the evidence. No, no. Peter didn't say that you repent, be baptized, and receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is glorious. You're going to receive Him. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. You're not going to just receive the stuff He gives you. He is going to come and live within you. He is going to overflow you. And once He overflows you, He's going to operate in power in and through your lives through these supernatural gifts that He makes available to you and that we're going to learn more about next week and you don't want to miss. You want to be here. Now, some people say that this gift was just for the day of Pentecost. That God visited the apostles and the early church in the first century because the church needed some dynamite. They, just, they needed to kind of get on the go. They needed to get out of the rut and establish themselves. How many would say today that the church could use that same dynamite? That there's a need today, right, in the midst of all the brokenness and all the pain and all the hurt and all the needs, there's a need for the church to get a boost again. So we're just as much in need as the church was back then. It's not that we have it all together now. You see, some will say, well, now you see we have the canon of Scripture. But that's all you need. All you need is a canon of Scripture. You see, the Scripture by itself is dead. Doctrine is dead. It's the Spirit that gives life. It's the Spirit who authored this book that brings it alive. What did Paul say? I pray for you that you will have the Spirit of revelation. He's not saying replace the Word. He's saying that with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that the Word will come alive. And as you read my Word, you won't just read it in a way that says, wasn't that wonderful back then? But that something would stir in your heart and say, Lord, your Word is alive today. Let that be so today. Lord, 3,000 were added to your church on the day of Pentecost. Lord, let it happen today. Lord, blind eyes were opened and, and there was healings. Lord, there was miracles. People were impacted by your love because you met them where they were. It wasn't just about debate. It wasn't about convincing somebody. It was a demonstration of spirit and power. That's what Paul said to the, to the Corinthians, right? When I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech. Paul's the greatest theologian who ever lived. He said, I came with a demonstration of God's spirit and power. Why? That your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, you've got to encounter Jesus by the baptism of the Holy Spirit because there's times when people are going to let you down. There's times when Christians are going to hurt you. There's times when the church is not going to meet your need. And you've got to know that you know Jesus. You, you, you've got to have a love that's not available in any other way to forgive those who hurt you, to help, help those who, who need help beyond what you can give them. You see, we need the Holy Spirit. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not just heightened human abilities. They are supernatural empowerment by the Holy Spirit. And it's available to all who receive and hunger for that promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to miss my free supper, I think. I still got a bit more time. Acts chapter 2, verse 39. So they receive the promise. Wait for the promise, baptize the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. You see, what he's saying is this promise is not just for those of the day of Pentecost. It's for your children. It's for generations to come. All those who are not even born yet. That's us. We get to have this too. But notice again the three baptisms Peter says. He says, I want you to be saved. I want you to be baptized in water. And then I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. 
Acts chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria to preach Christ to them. And this is what happens, verse 12. When Philip told them the good news about the kingdom of God and the power of Jesus Christ, men and women believed Philip. What does that mean? They were saved, right? Salvation. And they were baptized, right? Number two, in water. Verse 14. When the apostles who were still in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. They were blown away. What? They're receiving the gospel? Peter and John go up. They arrive. And what does the scripture say? Verse, verse 15. When Peter and John arrived, they welcomed them to the church because they had everything they needed. Is that what your Bible says? You don't have your Bible open. Okay? But it's not what the Bible says. Okay? But that's really what a lot of us have been raised to believe growing up in the church. Here's what the Bible actually says. When Peter and John arrived, they prayed that the Samaritan believers might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, think about that. They prayed that the Samaritan believers might receive the Holy Spirit. But I thought they were already saved because they're called believers. So I thought they already had the Holy Spirit since they're Christians. Why do they have to receive the Holy Spirit if they already have the Holy Spirit? Well, it becomes clear in verse 16. These people had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, so they are saved. But the Holy Spirit had not yet what? Come upon them. Holy Spirit baptism. Then when the two apostles began laying their hands on the people, they, say it with me, received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had baptized them in Jesus. They were part of the family of God. They were sons and daughters of God. But now Jesus baptized them with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, it's not our topic for this morning. We'll talk about it down the road. But what's interesting in the next verse, we see there was a man standing by. His name was Simon. And this is the response from Simon. Simon saw that the Spirit was given to them when the apostles laid their hands on them. What did Simon saw? I know you want me to say, what did Simon say? No, Simon said, you know, what did Simon saw? See. <laughs> if you're visiting, okay, that's not tongues. If you're visiting. What did Simon see? This is very important. Did Simon just see the fruit of the Spirit? No. Because, you see, a lot of us believe, well, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, the evidence is that you're Loving, gentle, kind, forbearing, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit should be there as a believer, and certainly when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you see, that's not what he saw. What Simon saw was that when the apostles laid hands on these new believers and they received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, what he saw was that something instantly happened on the inside that manifested itself on the outside. He saw that something happened on the outside, and you can read the rest of the story. Now, many believers today have been saved and water baptized, but have not received the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you, yes, when you come to Christ. Just like when Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You come alive by the presence of the Spirit in you. Like when God breathed into Adam, and it became a living soul. You become a living soul in Christ by the Holy Spirit. But that is not the promise of the Holy Spirit. There's still more to come. Salvation, baptism in water, and the promise of the Holy Spirit. And please understand me, dear one. Hear me if you hear nothing else this morning. If you have not been baptized with the Holy Spirit, 
you are not a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. There's no distinction between your value before God and someone who talks in tongues. And let me also say this. You may be here this morning and you can speak in tongues. It doesn't mean that you're filled with the Holy Spirit today. Oh, at one time you were filled with the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't mean that you are presently, as Paul says in Ephesians, don't be drunk with wine that dissipates. Because you see, even your experience in the Holy Spirit, how many understand, can dissipate, right? He can flow through you. He can kind of, you know, as he's working through you, there comes time that you need to go back and get filled again. You're not getting saved again. You're not getting saved again. You're just coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, just wash me. Just get that residue off me from this busy week, this busy day. Holy Spirit, just come and fill me afresh. And why does the Holy Spirit do that? Because I believe he wants us daily, constantly dependent upon him and never going in our own power, in our own pride. We're always relying upon him. And so if you have opened your heart to Jesus, then why not just take the next step and receive the Holy Spirit to enjoy that new dimension of spirit-filled faith and living that God has for you or to be filled afresh if you were filled before. One more proof text and I'm going to be saying goodbye to my steak but I'm still a half hour, it's not bad. One more proof text real quick. There's more important things to eat. I have nourishment that you know nothing of. Okay. There's more than this for the sake of time but Acts chapter 19 verse 1. And it happened, unless my friend is very gracious, he may still go ahead. It happened that while Apollos uh, was at Corinth that Paul passed through the inland country and he came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. What are disciples? Right, they're disciples. That's right, they're Christians. And he said to them, the disciples, to the Christians, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, I, I can't get too sidetracked, but that's so important to understand. I don't believe it's God, ever God's intention to get saved and 30 years later. I believe God's intention is to be saved, be baptized in water, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's God's plan for us. That's not to bring condemnation on any of us, but I believe that's the heart of God for the baptism with the Holy Spirit before we begin to move out into ministry and what he has for us. Now, so we just read this. He said to them, did you receive the, the Holy Spirit? Paul said. Now, Paul is a theologian. Paul is brilliant. Paul has written probably at least half, if not more, of the New Testament, so Paul knows what he's talking about. He comes to these new followers of Jesus. He asks them, have you received the Holy Spirit? Now, if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the same time you receive Jesus, if they're not one and the same, then why in the world would the greatest theologian who ever lived ask that question? Why would Paul come to people who he knew were believers and receive the Holy Spirit of salvation, right? Baptized by the Spirit in Christ. Why would he say to them, have you received the Holy Spirit? It's a very simple question. Paul is asking them this. He's simply saying, after you received Jesus and were brought into the family of God, did anyone pray with you to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit? That's simply what his question is. The response, verse 2, was no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They hadn't heard and they certainly hadn't seen, like Simon did, that separate experience of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we go to verse 3 and 4, and I'm wrapping up with this. Paul's essentially verifying their salvation when he, when he asked this question. Into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with, this, with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him, that is Jesus. And that's what they did, right? That's what you and I did when we first came to Christ. Then in verse 5, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so they were baptized in water. Verse 6. 
And when Paul had laid his hands on them, read it with me, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Totally different and distinct experience and yet one that God intends for all of us as his children. Do you see the pattern? Believers in the New Testament got saved, water baptized, baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. You see it throughout the book of Acts, chapter 1, 2, 4, 8, go on, 10, 19 rather, chapter after chapter in the book of Acts. Why does Jesus want every Christian to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? I've said it many times. Listen to me, saints. God the Father in his love for you, he wants you to experience an encounter in him that is so undeniably supernatural that the miraculous becomes a way of life for you. The miraculous becomes a way of life for you. I don't just mean ministry to other people. I mean things that you have to believe for. I mean things the Lord wants to dislodge in your life by the power of his word and the power of his spirit. Things that he wants to see in the realm of the spirit. Ways that he wants you to enter into worship. The prayer language, speaking in other tongues. We don't have time to talk about it this morning. We'll talk more in another day. But there's a whole beautiful purpose for that in the dimension of praise, in the dimension of intercessory prayer, in the dimension of ministry and intimacy with the Holy Spirit that the Lord intends for all of us. It's there for all of us. He wants the supernatural to be a way of life for every one of his children. I'm going to ask Crystal to come. I asked her to be on, on call just in case I did fulfill my promise. 33 minutes, 42 seconds, and earn my stake. There we go. Bless you, Lyle. Looking forward to that fellowship. Crystal, come on up. This doesn't count as preaching time. This is all Crystal. I knew you did. Is this mic okay? It is on. It's good. This is Crystal McPherson. Uh, about three years ago, we're not going to keep you long at all, but about three years ago, uh, you may have been here. Uh, actually, Crystal came to the Lord through Alpha and uh, through the ministry of Glad Tidings, some friends, and then was water baptized. You may remember when, when she was baptized. And uh, it was going hunky-dory kind of thing. But uh, about two months ago, uh, Crystal was just in the back, toward the back pew there, just worshiping the Lord, and Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit. And uh, so I just want to ask Crystal this morning... She's not nervous. She's just overwhelmed. Lord's just done wonderful work in her life and home, marriage, wonderful couple. Uh, Chris, I just want to ask you a simple question. In your opinion, is there a difference between ba being baptized into Jesus at salvation but then being baptized with the Holy Spirit? Most definitely. <laughs> My life on February 4th completely changed. Um, I felt the love of the Lord but uh, through most of everyone's life, including mine, you know, you have your ups and downs and you're in and outs and you're really on fire for God and then you kind of let the enemy come in and take over and you believe the lies. And, and I came to church that day completely exhausted with being a Christian because it's hard work. <laughs> it's, it's really hard work. And I came to church that day and I just said, I'm done. Like if I don't, feel your spirit and I, and I feel your love and I know that you're real. Faith is just really not enough for me right now. I really need your fire and I need to know that you are real. And it was the very last song of the service. I went through the whole service and I was like, all right, well, another Sunday over and still I didn't receive that fire. And then it 
bam, just hit me. And it was absolutely amazing. And it was so peaceful and so joyful. And now I don't have an excuse to say that God is not real. He's completely real and he is changing my life. He is changing my marriage. And he is changing all the relationships I have in life because I, I have him inside of me. I know that he is real. His words just pop off the Bible now. And I have that fire to immerse myself in as much as I possibly can do. Amen. So yes, it is life-changing. Amen. And Crystal, for you. Was there also an evidence you felt the Lord gave you that you were filled with the Holy Spirit? Most definitely, because when I came in that day, I just said, I don't, I can't do life. I can't do this anymore. I, I can't, I can't go on. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm done. And all I kept hearing as he was baptizing with the Holy Spirit is, you've got this crystal because I have you. That's Amen. all I kept hearing is, you got this because I have you. Amen. And he gave you a new language. New language. I spoke in tongues as well. And, um, and that I'm still working on to make it more mm -hmm. uh, evident and have enough faith in myself and believe in myself because I know I have it, but I have to believe in myself that I'm able to speak in tongues with a drop of a hat. Amen. So that's my working right now. Amen. <laughs> Bless you, my dear. Appreciate that. I know he's going to feel you again as we worship the Lord this morning. He's going to feel you again. I'm not going to get into tongues because it's another teaching. But let me just say this. I believe the simple reason why the Lord has given us the ability to speak in other tongues beyond its purpose, which is multidimensional and beautiful, is because the Lord understands in our natural thinking that we, we need something to know. We, we need a time we can look at because the enemy is going to come to you and he's going to say, that wasn't God, that was just you. Well, that's not really God, that's just your gibberish, that's just an emotion that you had. And so he wants to give you something tangible, an evidence, a physical evidence that you know, as the scriptures say, you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, but I don't speak in tongues. All I would say to you is, you know what? If you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, then you can speak in tongues. So even if you haven't, even this morning, you just say, Lord, would you just help me to release that? Because it's not just about speaking in tongues. It's the multidimensional purposes for the beauty of spiritual language. And we'll talk about it at another time. What we're going to do this morning, I, I, all jokes aside, I did want to clue up early because I want no one to feel rushed. You're free to leave any time this morning as we move into worship. We're going to just sing a couple songs. I think Pastor Kristen has two or three songs lined up. And I'm going to ask you that whether you're sitting down, if that's more comfortable, if you want to stand during worship, feel free. If you want to find a place at the altar anywhere, it doesn't matter. Just where you can get along with the Lord, undistracted, whatever your posture may be. And I want to invite all of us simply to close our eyes and to cup our hands and to say, Jesus, I receive your promise of the Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit. We have many people in this congregation who are baptized in the Holy Spirit in their home. My wife, Vanessa, a number of years ago, sitting on the couch in our front room all by herself, alone with the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in a beautiful language. Many stories like that. The Lord will meet you where you are. We're going to sing for a little bit. I think we're going to sing two songs. We get to the third song. I've instructed the altar team to come. So in case anybody wants to receive prayer, there will be some people up here. You can come. They can lay hands on you. They can pray with you if you'd like to do that. That's going to be available to you.
But I really believe my prayer has been, Lord, as we just worship you this morning, because you see, it's about all it's about is just getting your eyes on Jesus. He's the one who baptizes you. Just get your eyes on Jesus. And as the Holy Spirit begins to well up, just open your mouth. No strain, no, no stress. Just begin to open your mouth and just speak the words the Lord gives to you. And I promise the devil's going to be right there to say, that's just you. And you know why the devil does that? And you know why it's so important that we break out of this fear? Because it doesn't just happen with tongues. It happens when you're walking down the street and the Lord highlights somebody and says, go over to them and talk to them. What's your first thought? Oh, that's just me. Isn't it? There's a sick person over there. Go lay hands and pray for healing. Oh, that's just me. The devil will always shut us down with that lie. That's just you. We need to start declaring, no, it's Jesus. Jesus said, Jesus promised, Lord, I receive from you. And if nothing else, he just wants to wash over you with his love. I've had so many people filled with the Holy Spirit, and they say, Pastor, the only way I can describe it, it's like liquid love. It's just like liquid love. Everybody's experience is different, but I believe the evidence is the same. The Lord has it for all of us. He wants to fill us with the Spirit. So as Pastor Kristen leads us, you have a permission, stand or sit, whatever's comfortable, find a place. We're just going to take the next 15 minutes or so. No hurry. You can stay here for all afternoon seeking the Lord. No rush at all. But you're also free to slip out when you feel you need to. But I, I encourage you, even just give the Lord 10 or 15 minutes in worship. Just lock in with him and say, Jesus, I receive the promise of your Holy Spirit. Just worship Jesus. Don't focus on the gift. Worship Jesus, and he'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. All we've said today is upon the authority of your word that you've made so clear. I thank you for Jesus and his precious blood. I thank you for washing away our sins. And I thank you, Jesus, when you ascended to the Father, that you sent the Holy Spirit in power and in fire. And we pray, oh God, right now, in Jesus' name, change the atmosphere of this place. Let darkness begin to be afraid because of the power of Jesus Christ who lives. Not just theology, but the person of Jesus is alive in the hearts and through his church at Glad Tidings. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for lives that you're going to change, marriages you're going to change, homes you're going to change because of the indwelling power and fire of the Holy Spirit. So we say, Holy Spirit, come. Would you just say that with me? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come.